Hello and welcome to another episode of the Strategy Hero podcast, the podcast that's all about diving into the world of business strategy, transformation, and operational excellence, featuring insights and experience from some of the most successful leaders in the field. Today, I have another fantastic guest that I cannot wait to talk to, Pascal Dennis. Pascal is something of a lean legend, an entrepreneur, engineer, and author. Pascal is a four-time winner of the Shingo Prize winner for operational excellence. But he's also a co-founder of Digital Pathways, which helps forward-looking organizations design, build, and scale compelling digital products and new business ventures, which is something that I'm sure today we'll get into. And it doesn't end there. He's a composer, musician, and also a student of Aikido. But for us today, he is our strategy hero. Pascal, lovely to see you. Thank you, James. I appreciate the uh, invitation. Lovely to have you on board today. Although I know a lot of our listeners will already um, be familiar with your story, um, having read the likes of Getting the Right Things Done. Could you just give, um, for those who aren't so familiar, just a really quick run through of your background and how you got introduced to the world of lean? Um, I'm a chemical engineer by training. I spent the 1990s at Toyota and um, was... Um, lucky enough to experience the wonderful mentors and, and great senseis. Uh, I started um, Lean Pathways in year 2000, hoping that we could do for our partners what our Japanese senseis did for people like me. Um, and uh, about five years ago, I started uh, Digital Pathways, which reflected my, my growing interest in um, disruptive innovation using digital methods. Um, and uh, here we are uh, all these years later. I'm still having a lot of fun working with wonderful, marvelous uh, uh, partners and and lucky enough to still be learning. I've uh, I've personally enjoyed getting to, to know you over the last six or so months, Pascal, and I think having read quite a few of your books, um, myself and, and some of my colleagues, one of which is, is I'm fairly sure, obsessed with Atlas Industries. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's it's an honor for for us to be able to have you on on the podcast. And Thank I think you. it would it, be great to to get your thoughts. I mean, as, as we were going through uh, kind of what we could be talking about today, um, one thing kept coming up. Uh, and, and I think it's it's something that our audience is going to love listening to. So without further ado, is Lean Enough? Um, I don't think it is anymore, uh, and I, I don't want to be misunderstood. The um, methods of the Toyota production system are as powerful as ever. They're simply no longer sufficient. So uh, lean Toyota production system uh, provide an excellent foundation for protecting your core business. But nowadays, you also have to be able to ignite new growth using uh, the digital methods uh, pioneered in the innovation hotspots of the world, places like Silicon Valley and Singapore, where I've spent a lot of time the last five or six years, and it's been really transformative for me. So the good news is that um, Lean slash Toyota Production System lays a wonderful foundation, helps you protect the core business. Um, the challenge is we have to learn new mindsets, new skill sets, uh, to ignite new growth in a very different world than perhaps what uh, we were used to. So one of the things that I've, I feel that we find a lot with um, 
our our audience over iNexus is that they they have a very clear um mindset and culture coming from sort of the the, the lean background and what comes of that is is a very clear set of skills is there a world that 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 you can go beyond that sort of this is how we've always done it sort of mindset is there a world beyond common lockers and, and countermeasures and really a way that 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 people who have have grown up on this system can take what they learned perhaps and either put it to the side or, or build upon it effectively yeah i think um the key is to understand something that um aristotle the, the great uh philosopher arguably the the father of uh modern philosophy something aristotle said many years ago he observed that there are two worlds in fact one world is that in which things cannot be otherwise in other words the world of science physics i'm a chemical engineer of the toyota production system of lean and in that world things cannot be otherwise if you um define uh uh, and implement a good value stream, a good process, and you understand your bottlenecks, you elevate the bottlenecks, you reduce waste, delay, etc. Throughput will improve, lead time will decrease. It'll happen every time. That's the nature of that world. It's predictable. But um, there is another world, Aristotle tells us, and that is the world uh, of things that can be otherwise. Uh, and that's the world of of taste, of public opinion, of psychology, um, of politics, uh, for example. And uh, in that world, things can be otherwise. For example, um, a customer can say in a focus group, oh, yes, I, I really like that. I would definitely buy that. And then they don't buy it. That's very, very common. This other world, in fact, um, uh, is, is volatile, it's uncertain, it's complex, and it's ambiguous. And the skills that we learned in the first world do not necessarily apply. As I suggested earlier, they do lay a, a nice foundation. They'll protect our core business. But if you want to excel in the second world, you have to develop different skills and a different mindset. Uh, and I call this becoming ambidextrous. Much of my personal practice now is working with boards and senior teams, helping them understand ambidexterity. It's no longer enough to be good in the first world. It's no longer enough to be good at lean. If, for example, you're a, a supplier uh, of um, uh, combustion engines or parts for combustion engines, you could have the best changeover, the best production lines, the best supply chain in the world, and your future uh, will still be bleak. So it is what it is. And um, in a sense, we're uh victims of our own success you know <laughs> but uh on the other hand uh, it's a wonderful opportunity to grow and to learn something new i think for for people like myself that come from probably the 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 the, the former world that uh our soul spoke of talking to someone like yourself and learning <clears throat> about the toyota production system and, and learning about everything to do with lean it's challenging because you you come from a very clear background um, that that is probably more creative. There are elements of, of science definitely involved, um, and and I, I guess for me, what is very interesting is that 
from our conversations, it sounds like you have found a way to almost merge those two sort of worlds. They are quite similar. I mean, sorry, they are quite dissimilar um, in many ways, but also there is a way that you can you can bridge that gap. I think in terms of, of skills, how what sort of challenges are you, are you seeing um, you know, for, in, in your engagements when you're going to the, into these big, big organizations? What are people responding to in the C? How are people responding? Sorry, in the C-suite when when you're asking them about changing, you know, well-formed habits and, and mindsets. What um, what I experience is a a sense of anxiety uh, because these are very accomplished people, good people um, that want to do the right thing for their uh, team members for their company for the community but they don't know what they don't know so um really there are four blockers that that i help um boards and c-suites uh with when it comes to creating and uh, developing this ambidexterity this uh, dual capability if you will um the first blocker is um ignorance so people do not know the required skill set they do not know the basics, for example, of design thinking or agile ways of working or lean experimentation, let alone the the transformative technologies that are changing every day. And every week there's a, a new chat GPT. And gosh, what does that mean for us? What does it mean for our marketing department? What does it mean for our customers? What does it mean for da, 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 da? So um, uh, there's, a, there's ignorance of the skill set, uh, ignorance around the mindset. So, for example, maybe I am a, a chemical engineer or a superb uh, auto plant f- factory manager or executive, um, but do those skills apply uh, in this uncertain world, volatile, uncertain, complex, ambiguous world? Um, so th- that's a, 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 a source of ignorance. A third is what kind of a culture do I need to succeed in this second world? Um the uh, second blocker is is fear, as I said. There's a lot of anxiety because these are good people that want to do the right thing and they don't know if they can do it. So a, a big part of, of my practice is helping them uh, work through the ignorance and thereby start to assuage the fear and start to feel, okay, I think I get this. And everything I've learned up until now is not wasted. It's a, it's a good foundation, uh, but now I need to learn uh new things just an example of uh, how what you've learned in the first world applies in the second world so lean experimentation is the means by which you dispel the uncertainty the fog that you deal with when you're trying to create something new a new customer journey a new offering or a new business and the way you dispel that fog the way you illuminate the darkness the unknowns the known and unknown unknowns is through experiments but the experiments have to be much, much quicker than we're used to, say, in a factory or in a supply chain, because you're in this volatile, uncertain, complex, ambiguous world. It's not as predictable as the supply chain or as the factory. In any event, uh, that, so the first uh, blocker is ignorance. The second is fear. Um, the third is is guesswork. So to ignite new growth, you've got to create new journeys, new offerings, and we have no data. So how do you uh, move forward if you have no data? The answer is you create your own data 
through lean experimentation and related methods. Um, and that takes time and that takes capability building. Um, but it can be done. And uh, the fourth uh, blocker is one that we're familiar with in both worlds, worlds, and that's scatter. That's a diffusion of effort because we don't understand uh, where we are in this volatile world and we're pressing buttons, hoping something works. And that creates this scatter and diffusion. Um, so yeah, those are the four biggest blockers. And as I say, I spend a lot of, a lot of my time with boards and C-suites on those very things. What are, what are some of the examples? What are some of the tools that, that you put to use when you are trying to, I guess, um, ease some of that that worry some of that anxiety over the change that that comes with this is unfamiliar this is something that i i cannot apply this tool set to what, what are some of the uh what are some of the what are some of the examples and tools that you would normally put to use in that sort of situation um we have uh one um uh a method or offering that we call the digital executive forum wherein we um, connect um, a senior team with um, uh, uh, their counterparts in uh, the world of innovation. So, for example, tech companies uh, that um, can demonstrate the best-in-class practice. So, for example, if I'm a, a banking or insurance executive, we can uh, create a, a digital executive forum with their counterparts in the fintech community and the fintechs will show here is the best practice in a given um, field in a given endeavor in a given um, business and you know you, you talk with them you have coffee maybe have, we have dinner together and and then maybe we take a group of executives to uh, an innovation hotspot so we've done this in singapore for example where i've spent a lot of time in the last five or six years and Let's visit some innovation labs and accelerators in that vibrant uh, uh, ecosystem. And then you start to see, okay, yeah, I think I get this. I think I get this. This can be done. And it's not that dissimilar. I see a lot of experimentation, a lot of visual management. We have a lot of playbacks, a lot of stand-up meetings. And uh, yeah, that I understand. So you start to desensitize the the senior leader and say well, maybe I can do this you know that's just one example the other key countermeasure is um just executive mentoring um we've developed uh, and I offer 101 which is protect your core business 201 ignite new growth and that's um bi-weekly executive mentoring we have three hour sessions wherein we uh, learn by doing so this week's session is on lean experimentation so let's here's a demonstration here's an example of video or a case study so now let's go to the innovation lab uh, and uh, if we don't have an innovation lab internally let's go to uh, uh, one of our partners and see what that looks like oh then they see rapid ideation rapid experimentation the reflection what have we learned what does it mean okay what are the next experiments and they start to see whoa this is different than what i'm used to but it's also similar i think we can do this you know so two answers digital executive forum and executive mentoring is uh is, is a good countermeasure i find what do you what do you find the typical um the length of time it takes for one of these executives to to go from this is the way that i do things to okay now i've seen that it can be done differently and then 
how long would it take someone typically to to go from that oh i'm not quite sure to now i have the tools i have the know-how and i'm putting into practice is there is there a standard sort of time or does it really vary depending on industry and experience etc um probably on the order of two years of course you know plus or minus based on experience and the you know, the depth of uh um commitment the um uh, the culture of the company etc um one of my I, I had a session with one of my favorite uh mentees if you will he's the president of a, a wealth management company and he's uh, you know a showcase for us we're very very proud of louis and his team and um it took him about two years to lay the foundation to protect the core business and then build the uh ignite new growth you know the second gear and they're just doing great and he's proselytizing and he's saying this is really great you can do this so he's uh, we have other wealth management executives that are you know sort of tugging on on my sleeve saying you know can you help us do this how long will it take so, okay well <laughs> sure <laughs> what what sort of um what sort of results do you do you see do you think that it's important for lean to be at, at the foundation and then to build this on top? And, and if that's the case, what's the results? What's the difference from, okay, <clears throat> we're running, you know, we're running our, um, our operational excellence programs and they're delivering X, Y, and Z by layering, um, by layering these, these new skills on top, what sort of material change does come about in terms of, whether it's revenue, whether it is it's savings, whether it's taking new products to market, what, what is the you know what are those sort of key um, numbers that you can point toward and say this is clearly making a difference? Yeah, um, we've got quite a bit of data on that. Uh, in terms of speed to market, the improvements are fifty percent. In terms of uh, improvement in throughput, the number of innovations you bring to market, uh, it's typical to to double the throughput. A profitability um, increases thirty percent, roughly, um, because um, there's so. The method it, it, we use is um, you um, map the existing customer journey, and then map the value stream, the internal processes that created it, and by mapping pain points in the customer journey to blockers in the value stream, you unleash enormous amounts of value what we find interestingly enough is that the most painful points in the value stream coincide with the biggest waste in the value stream so what we're what we're doing is buffering um uh weaknesses and it doesn't work because we still have this awful pain so in any event by ma mapping the two the pain point in the customer journey with the internal blocker you unleash uh, release an enormous amount of waste. So on top of the improved throughput, um, new offerings, and improved customer experience, you also tend to reduce cost as well. In one particular, this was a major bank in East Asia, um, the the pain point was the so-called know-your-customer process. In other words, uh, how long does it take for me when I apply for you know an account? Let's say I'm a business, I want to get a commercial account going in whatever Hong Kong or you know, uh, Bangkok or something like that. And um, the cycle time was something like two weeks. And to provide that awful service, it was something like 800 full-time equivalents, 20 uh, uh, software systems internally, and a bunch of other buffers. So 
that terrible customer experience coincided with this huge cost. And that's a pattern that we see. That's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> that's a lot of wastage. Um, yeah. So often the report out to um, the C-suite is, did you know, <laughs> did you know that to provide this awful experience to prospective new customers, we are spending this amount of money and hassle and software and, and usually it's what, what? <laughs> it, something that uh, I, I've noted as, as we've been talking <laughs> is it sounds like the, you know, you're talking about value streams and customer journey mapping, um, ideation and lean experimentation. It sounds like there are, that th there must be, correct me if I'm wrong, there must be a lot of crossover here of existing tools that you might be using. So that, am I right in thinking that that light bulb moment is not just because people are being shown how to do this. It's like, okay, now I, I noticed that tool. Well, that tool is a little bit similar to the other tool that I might use. It, is, is it fair to say that one of the, perhaps the, uh, the accelerators in, in this, um, in this sort of journey that execs take is familiarity with a tool set and being able to transfer it. Yeah. So as I said, um, if you have um, a good lean uh, slash operational excellence system, that gives you a nice foundation to do the customer experience reform I just described to create new customer journeys or, 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 or new offerings because uh, many of the uh, tools are transferable. So as I said, the, the most basic level of innovation is customer experience reform. As I described, we have an existing customer journey. It really sucks. We map it back to the internal value streams and processes that are creating that. And the most uh, immediate benefit is you can see where you should focus your, your value stream improvement. So initially, um, you'll have uh, rapid improvement events. So typically in, in our partners, the first year or two might be some rapid improvement events at pain points highlighted by the process I just described. But then we have to take it to the next level, which is let's improve the customer journey. And that entails working externally, lean experimentation, often uh, digital methods uh, to understand the customer's journey. I know, I like, I trust, I, I'll try this product, I'll buy it, I'm going to buy it again, I'm going to tell everybody. That's uh, the customer funnel, as we call it. And that requires um, understanding the conversion rates at every step and thereby understanding the bottleneck and elevating the bottleneck through um, lean experiments. You know, I hope that's not too technical, but just give some idea of how this works. Okay. <laughs> definitely, definitely not for this uh, for this audience. Um, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> one thing I, I'd be I'd be interested to know about is, um, in in my experience, when I have learned, you know dipped my toe a bit more and more into 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 lean and, and into Hoshin um and and ppm i've been able to borrow from the learnings and the experiences of my colleagues um i've learned a lot of stuff from talking to yourself pascal and there's a lot more uh people like yourself that i that i've had the chance <clears throat> the the fantastic chance i should say to talk to and, and learn from internally um then i just wanted to kind of to to kind of look towards maybe some blockers to this because in my mind this is um you know this is no different from deploying a strategy and what what are the you know when we talk about 
blockers to strategy execution and, and successfully deploying that and, and delivering results, there, there are some very, very usual suspects um, that pop up. Am I right in thinking that those do pop up? And, and if so, what are they? And, and how do you normally overcome those things like silos and communication issues when trying to spread this new approach throughout the organizations? The, uh, the most common blockers um, to uh, operational excellence, uh, lean, if you will, remain, as you said, silos, misalignment, uh, breakdown in communication, a lack of visibility, um, the absence of prioritization. Those all, um, those all exist, and we have to uh, address them in, in, in the ways that successful companies have for, for some years. Um, the additional blockers to um, igniting new growth are as I are similar to what I talked about earlier. Um, there's ignorance of the um, of the skill sets uh, and the mindsets. Uh, some of them are similar, so lean experimentation is not dissimilar to the kind of controlled experiments we might run in a problem-solving exercise in the supply chain, um, but they're different in fundamental ways. One is the speed. So, for example, we have to learn how to um, run experiments much, much more quickly than we do in the factory. We have to master social media tools. One of the nice things about um, digital is that you can um, accelerate a customer through the customer funnel through short videos that are engaging, that are funny, that are based on the uh, the customer's jobs to be done. So you can, as a smaller company, challenge you know a gigantic company um, very effectively. There are many many stories about that. Um, the um, cultural element is uh, is a very common blocker. Um, we're facing, to a certain degree, the um, uh, innovator's dilemma, and we have to get over that. The innovator's dilemma, famously described by one of my heroes, Dr. Clayton Christensen, is that um, the return on investment uh, of POVs, proof of values, innovations, if you will, is um, very low initially. So the quote-unquote rational thing to do is to continue doing what you've always done. So a rational accountant, accountant would look at your existing uh, uh, offerings and you get a ROI of 10%. And then you look at an innovation portfolio whose ROI is zero. And all the conventional accounting methods, what's the revenue? Zero. What's the um, market share? Zero. <laughs> uh, what's the profit? Zero. So the rational things to, to do would be shut down the innovation so we've got to get past the innovators dilemma and that entails um, learning new tools like innovation accounting with an innovation portfolio for the first uh, part of it at least and often well into uh, the early stages of the launch we're using traction metrics and not generally accepted accounting principles at some point you switch to revenue, return on investment, et cetera. And that takes skill to know when to change the score scorecard. So that's a common blocker. A third one, and this might be the biggest one, is that um, innovations often threaten the existing business. So for example, uh, this is a case in, in, in banking. Um, it was a commercial uh, division in a major bank. And um, 
we were working on uh, an innovation which would allow um, a commercial customer, let's say a small business, to um, make an application and receive the loan in 48 hours from their smartphone. And the results were extremely promising. The customers loved it, et cetera, but it met with resistance from the existing uh, commercial uh, leadership, commercial banking leadership. Because, and 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 he was quite honest with me. He said, "Look, you know, we've got two thousand people in this in this group here. If this uh, proof of value goes to market, what happens to those people? Are, are they all out of business? So that's an understandable tension. You've got to address that. So you've got to create." strategic space, physical space, financial space, emotional space, cultural space for innovation. That's that might be one of the biggest uh, biggest blockers because what will happen otherwise is the innovation will be handed off quote unquote to the business and quietly decommissioned and you never hear about of it again, which is why innovation is so hard in especially in larger organizations with the best of intentions. Yeah, I I uh, I know I know that experience first time. <laughs> <clears throat> I worked for a uh, a teleco. Uh, okay. <laughs> I I was um, leading the the uh, the product marketing side of of developing a new product, and uh, it did require a significant change to the business model, one which um, after a couple of rounds of 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 trialing, did suggest that that shift would result in. You know those things that you mentioned there in terms of there's an emo- emotional impact, there's potentially a human impact um, with personnel, and it did get it did get shelved. And I think it it's it's great that there's something like this that 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 you're that you're offering that could help executives to navigate those tough tough challenges that come along with innovation. Um, out of out of interest in that sort of situation, there therefore. How would you coach, in my example, that executive who was presented with a new product that would alter the business model, but would not only generate mass savings, but change the the revenue trajectory of the organization? How would you deal with that that positivity there, but also that negativity of it would lead to some sort of structural changes? Well, um, it's an impossible discussion to have at that moment. You know, it's it's really too late. What needs to happen uh, is we have to have that discussion two years earlier with the board and with the C-suite. And we have to um, educate them on the nature of dual capability, protect your core business, ignite new growth, and in the likely scenarios and um, blockers that we're going to face. And we have to commit as a board and as a C-suite that we're going to see this through. We're going to create the space, financial, physical, emotional, cultural, strategic space for our innovation activities, whether it's an innovation lab or an accelerator or call it what you will. And um, we're going to provide executive air cover uh, when the blockers inevitably uh, arise, whatever they might be. Um, and we're going to commit to a scale-up process that's fair, that's uh, that's 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 just, that um, offers people that 
are affected by an innovation, um, uh, retraining, for example, um, or if they don't want to be retrained, uh, 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 coaching and how to start a new career or how to retire, whatever it is, you've got to plan all that out in advance. Um, that relates to one of the key elements in our in our model you know it's the pragmatic innovators network we have to create internal capability to sustain innovation we have to be able to generate ideas screen ideas monitor ideas and then launch the successful ones and that requires building business in the so-called middle management so um that means you know, a program to build the capability, to build the skill set, to give them practice and the means for them to get involved in innovation. Um, and that could be as simple as a shark tank-like uh, uh, process. We, we, we've used that successfully. So people pitch to, we call it an innovation council, but it's an internal shark tank, if you will. Um, uh, and um, so these are the kind of discussions you have to have in advance. In fact, our a transformation model um, has three parts to it. I can describe it if you'd like. Uh, it's it's if that'd be helpful. But there's three parts to it, and the intent of the model is to answer these questions in advance, so that we're not faced with the scenario you talked about, where an exec says, "Okay, this puts you know two thousand people out of work." Well, it's too late. <laughs> we should have had this discussion two years earlier, you know, so that we'd have a countermeasure. So no, they're not going to be out of work. They're going to be. Da, 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 right? They'll be taken care of because we've made that commitment. So, so I think, I mean, that would have been very useful uh, <laughs> in that situation. <laughs> it would have been very, very useful. But I think um, for anyone listening that has gone through something like that in terms of um, new, pro new product in introductions, um, it, it's challenging. And I think there's a lot that we've heard from you today, Pascal, that I think we could probably, we have, <laughs> we have spent hours talking about. Um, if if I were to challenge you for one second to offer one piece of advice to leaders who want to adopt a new mindset, a, a, a digital growth mindset, what would that one piece of advice be? Um, I think it would be uh, create the space for innovation in the ways I described, strategic, cultural, financial, physical, uh, understand the blockers are, are powerful, uh, work through the um, the kind of scenarios that, that I've described earlier. Um, it would be secondly to provide executive air cover for uh, innovators, understand the blockers, uh, understand the blockers point of view and, and address it as well as you can. Um, build the needed capability throughout the organization. So um, our model fundamentally is executive development through mentoring. The second element is creating what we call um, a pragmatic innovator network internally. It's a critical mass of people that have the fundamental skills. And then the third element of the model is um, innovation projects, a, a balanced portfolio. And these three support one another. So um, in summary, um, give people the skills, um, create space for innovation, um, and, uh, and, and provide a culture, uh, that will, um, that will su su support and sustain innovation. There's another metaphor that we use for that. It's a tree metaphor. So the, uh, 
the metaphor begins with the soil. So you've got to create a rich culture, skill sets, the mindsets um, are there, the, so the necessary nutrients, and then you create this trunk. The trunk is uh, uh, a pragmatic innovator network. People understand the fundamentals of, uh, of innovation, not just the technology, the eight essential technologies, but also the methodologies, the lean experimentation, design thinking, and the rest. And then you strategically decide what kind of fruit do we need? So you want an innovation portfolio that's balanced. So you've got both, um, um, you know, uh, customer experience reform, you know, fixing existing journeys, and you've got more advanced innovation, creating new journeys, and then the most advanced creating completely new offerings and new businesses. So those are the fruits of the trunk and the soil. So um, you have to make this tree come to life and, uh, and sustain it, um, so it's, I wish I had more time to describe it. There's a lot to that. <laughs> so I've given some images. Hopefully that's useful. <laughs> I, mean, so, I, wrote, I wrote a book about it. <laughs> I was about to say, I'm sure in the right direction. <laughs> um, just, before, just before we wrap up, um, for, for, those, for those people listening today that perhaps are not in the C-suite, um, that are maybe man on the shop floor, maybe they're middle management, and they want to help affect change um, towards the senior leadership team, towards the C-suite. Is there a way in your mind that they can do that um, by raising awareness in, in what we've been talking about today? Um, yeah, there is. A, I've been scratching my head about that. The last five or six years, as I said, I've been focused on innovation and the hotspots around the world like Silicon Valley and Singapore. And um, I, I've realized in the last year that I, I really need to share all the stuff that I've learned and my team and I have learned. So we've um, come up with a series of, of workshops that hopefully will sh share in a useful way what I've been able to learn in these places and with these experiences. So there's one workshop that we're just launching now called Getting the Right Things Done in a Digital World. And it's the first of a series the next next one will be what we call smart growth. Um, then there's one on what we call a transformation lighthouse, building your transformation lighthouse, digital strategy compass, the nuts and bolts of of um, igniting new growth. So I, th these are meant to be accessible and a translation of everything that we've learned. So uh, I recommend that uh, to build your own muscles, understand the nature of um, igniting new growth and of dual capability and then i think you can influence um uh, uh senior leadership uh in a good way yeah absolutely i think um that that leads to a very a very natural segue to 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 wrap up this episode i think i wanted to say first and foremost um on behalf of myself and and everyone um in terms of the production team and and our listeners um it's it's been it's been a, a pleasure talking to you and hearing more about uh how people can ignite digital growth um in terms of <clears throat> in terms of next steps um you've obviously mentioned the, the 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 workshop um i i assume that uh i assume that in terms of people getting in touch with you they can reach you on an email address um am i right in thinking that's pascal.dennis at lean systems.org great yeah. 
<laughs> uh, and, and in terms of your your uh, your social handles, um, that's Pascal. This is one word: Pascal Dennis Music. Um, as the handle for your your uh, our band, <laughs> Rodrigo. <laughs> um, and and um, in terms of the URL for um, uh, for that workshop, it is leansystems.org forward slash grtd forward slash index and then the the last thing to obviously mention to everyone um is the is the website um that you can <clears throat> you can head over and learn much more about what pascal has been talking about today and that's digitalpathways.io um i think and and i should also say um if sorry to interrupt you uh pascal dennis hdd is my my handle uh so if you put that in you'll get to our websites and uh blog posts uh and amazon page and linkedin so pascal dennis htd sorry to interrupt no, that's, that's fine i want to make sure everyone gets that <laughs> um so yeah so thank you again pascal um it's been it's been a, an honor to talk to you and i think that uh, I, I share everyone's opinion in terms of thank you so much for for joining us my pleasure thank you thank you very much pascal Cheers.